Welcome to another episode of In Reserve, the Prosperity Podcast, where we focus on all things to do with the Reserve Protocol stablecoin. My name is Michael, and I'll be your host. Are you ready? Let's get started. First, a word from our sponsors. Nobody. Unfortunately, we are currently sponsorless. If you or someone you know is looking to sponsor this podcast, please shoot us a DM on Twitter at InReservePod or an email to InReservePodcast at gmail.com. Thank you. On this episode, we talk about the concept of stable coins. Let me draw out the scenario for you so you can get a good picture of why we need stable coins. So you enter the crypto space. Get yourself in some Bitcoin or Ethereum and start seeing all the different potential applications of it, including smart contracts and new technology. However, you're reluctant to part with your tokens or use them because of the volatility of the price. After all, you've heard and seen stories about how Bitcoin price will go up 10x, 20x, 30x, 40x, 100x in a matter of days, if not hours. After all, we've all heard of the story of the guy who spent 10,000 Bitcoins in the early 2010s to buy two pizzas. At the recording of this on September 16th, that would be worth well over $105 million. Given the volatility of the price, it appears that the real applications of blockchain are going to be difficult to implement, right? Enter the concept of stable coins. So what are stable coins exactly? Stable coins are cryptocurrencies that attempt to peg their market value to some external reference in order to stabilize its value. Most common ones are pegged to the U.S. dollar or some other type of fiat national currency. Other alternatives include gold and any other types of assets. The entire purpose of stable coins are to be just that, stable. They are designed to minimize the fluctuation in value. Why, you may ask? We will touch on that next. So, for example, if a stable coin is pegged to the U.S. dollar, chances are it's going to fluctuate tiny, tiny, tiny bits but it will mostly be around $1 USD for one stable coin. Why are stable coins needed, you may ask? After all, if the whole purpose of it is to be pegged to the US dollar or any other currency and be the equivalent of $1 of that currency, don't we already have that in place? Why is this needed for this new technology that is such a hassle to create? Well, stable coins are needed for the following purposes. One, cross-border transfers. So I'll provide you an example um, that that happens all over the world on a daily basis. So uh, a family moves or a family has one member uh, of their family move from a third world country, let's say uh, Venezuela for the purpose of this example. They move to the United States uh, in hopes of the American dream. Um, They get a job, super hardworking, earn their kind of biweekly paycheck. And they save up some of that money and send money back to their family at home in Venezuela uh, on a biweekly basis whenever they get paid. Now, when this happens, the person has to go to the bank, take out the cash in their check that that they get or or direct deposit, and then kind of create a wire transfer or an ACH in order to get that money over to their family. The following following fees are, are applicable in that situation. One, they have FX uh, differences. So obviously in terms of Venezuela and America or America and China or America and the Philippines, they're all using different currencies. The bank will 
take a certain cut or a certain fee in order for them to transfer that money from US dollar to whatever the ending currency ends up being. Also, there are multiple fees, uh, including wire transfers and and uh, and administrative fees that, that kind of go along with that transfer to kind of take another big portion of, of the amount to be um, to be sent back home. Uh, these don't necessarily occur on a blockchain because on a blockchain with stable coins, um, the transaction happens directly between buyers and sellers with no middlemen. So when you go to a bank, every single teller you see there needs to be paid a certain salary. And do you know who ends up paying that salary? It's definitely not the bank. I'll tell you that it's basically members like you and I who are part of that bank and making transactions through that bank. Um, so cross-border transfers are a lot easier uh, and are a lot more cheap, are a lot cheaper um, when we use stable coins that are on a blockchain technology. A second reason why stable coins are needed are instantaneous transactions. Right now, when I go to the bank, even if I do a wire or if I do any type of payment, it's going to take me a minimum of one overnight day or in some cases three days and up to a week. When we do transactions over um, blockchains, there are minimal wait times and they are they are generally minutes uh, at most an hour um, compared to days that, that, that we currently get right now. In addition, there are no off days, which means that if my bank is closed, my bank generally has hours from nine to five, which is very generous for a bank, and nine to five on evenings and or nine to five on weekends. Um, after those hours, I am still able to make transactions on the blockchain. Um, so basically 24 seven, I can send money anytime I want and I'm not at the mercy of my bank's banking hours. Um, a third reason why stable coins are needed is that they help provide a medium of exchange when trading other cryptocurrencies. Right now, Bitcoin is way too volatile and it's not really a good storage of value for us when we're in between trading altcoins or, or coins that aren't Bitcoin. So say for example, I put in some fiat currency into an exchange. And let's say I've got $1,000 in there and I put $5 or $500 into Bitcoin and I keep the other $500 in fiat right now. Now, let's say I use that other $500 and I put it into an altcoin like RSR. Um, so RSR is a governing token for RSV, which is the stable coin that the reserve protocol is built on. Um, so let's say that amount fluctuates up and down and I end up selling it for a game. So instead of $500, I put in 500 bucks. Now I've got $600. It is not reasonable for me to put that $600 into Bitcoin as I wait to figure out what my next trade is going to be because the price of Bitcoin fluctuates up and down. So if I put that $600 in Bitcoin, now all of a sudden I've got $1,100 in Bitcoin and who knows what the price of that's going to be or the value of that's going to be in two days or even one hour from now. It may end up being $1,200, but at the same time, it may end up being $900. Now, I don't exactly want that fluctuation over the short term. So in the meantime, what I can do is I can put that in a stable coin um, and the most popular one being Tether, USDT, um, so that my money is essentially kind of the same as fiat, but not exactly in that it's a lot faster. There's a lot more flexibility um, for me to move from, from Tether into another altcoin or another position on uh, in Bitcoin. Um, hopefully that kind of makes a bit of sense to you. If you're currently trading altcoins or trading cryptocurrencies, that'll make a lot of sense to you. If you aren't, when you do start to do so, you'll see why there is a market for, for stable coins. 
The very last one is to why stable coins are needed. And this one I think is one of the more important ones, if not the most important, is transparency of how the, the funds are used. Uh, being crypto and on a blockchain allows for on transactions and movements of it to be tracked, which means that anytime a stable coin moves, because the public ledger is open for anybody to be able to see, you're able to track how that coin is used and where uh, it was sent to and kind of trace it along the way. <laughs> how that is useful is when we're talking about things such as relief aid and fundraising dollars. For example, if I go to donate to, I don't know, the Red Cross, I'm able to see how my dollar is spent. Um, is it spent kind of administratively? Is it given to, to, to the cause that I, that I kind of donated to? Right now, none of that stuff is very transparent and we have to rely on, on auditors or on Red Cross basically telling you how that money is spent. In addition, Red Cross actually admits right now that because they have to give funding to local government aids and they have to abide by government um, agencies and government laws in these third world countries when disasters happen, um, their funding is actually not that efficient. And in some cases, uh, a lot of the a lot of the funds that are donated are lost due to things such as corruption. Um, in addition uh, to these relief aids, we also get the usual benefits with transparency, such as decrease in money laundering and illegal activity, because we're able to trace how the funds are used. Obviously, you don't get that same amount with fiat current, or obviously you don't get that same benefit with fiat currency, which is why you see a lot of drug deals done in cash. In an ideal world, you'd buy stable coins and never swap back to fiat currency. This was the original concept of PayPal. So in an ideal world, I would take my one US dollar, switch it for one stable coin, and then I would transfer that stable coin whenever I needed to I don't know, make a payment for, for food or whatnot. So say, for example, if I go to uh, my local restaurant, I have a nice meal and I go to pay, I would pay in that stable coin and that restaurant would then hold that amount in the stable coin without transferring it back to US dollar. And when they go to uh, buy their own resources and whatnot from their vendors, they would then use that stable coin and the stable coin would kind of stay in existence and sort of circulate around the whole ecosystem. That was the original concept of PayPal. Um, however, PayPal wasn't really ready to pull that off and, and couldn't quite pull it off. Um, but they do see a lot of potential in this reserve protocol concept, which is why Peter Thiel, one of the co-founders of PayPal, is a big investor in this project. Now, you may say, okay, well, stable coins, that's great. Um, why reserve or why any of these other stable coins compared to the ones I hear about in the news that a lot of governments are starting to create? Don't get this confused with digital currencies that governments around the world are trying to make. Those are essentially the exact same as the current fiat money system, but they'll just be able to track all of your transactions and have an even greater big brother presence. In addition, FX fees and high FX rates and high fees will still apply. So when they talk about digital currencies, that is not the same as a stable coin. A stable coin has no... Um, bearing as to what country it's created in and where it's transferred to. These digital currencies, such as the digital yuan and also the digital US dollar that you hear about in the news, will be the exact same and have the exact same features and problems as current fiat money. It's just that it'll be on a digital space so that there is more efficiency for them to be able to figure out how the transactions are occurring and also take more fees along the way because you'll be more reliant on banking institutions 
and it'll be more transparent for them to figure out how you're spending your money so that they're able to kind of raise fees in certain areas that are of higher demand um, than others. In addition, you'll kind of lose the freedom of spending money however you want because there will always be the kind of thought that there is a big brother presence watching over your shoulder to see what you are spending your money on. Now, I don't know about you, but that is a very scary concept to me. Remember, unlike governments with cryptocurrencies, you don't necessarily need to fill out a KYC. So I know your customer application at a bank or anywhere to get it. While your transactions can be traced through crypto, your identity remains anonymous. For example, you're able to go to one of thousands of Bitcoin ATMs in order to purchase Bitcoin with your current fiat currency and to put it onto your wallet. Now, when you think about that, that doesn't require knowing your name, doesn't require your address, your annual income, your social security number, doesn't require any of that stuff. You don't really necessarily need to go through a bank. Uh, in fact, it doesn't care whether what your gender is, your sexual orientation, your political views, doesn't care about any of that stuff. Crypto does not discriminate and crypto remains anonymous and protects your privacy. So that is the big difference between stable coins and crypto and this digital currency that you hear about uh, all over the news that governments are trying to create. Um, to date, there are multiple crypto or there are multiple stable coins in circulation right now with some of the bigger ones being Tether which is a top five token in terms of market cap, USDC, the US dollar coin, uh, the DAI, um, and PAX. Most are backed by US dollar with the exception of DAI, which is backed by collateral on the maker platform. Essentially, you'll lock up cryptocurrencies on the platform for DAI, which is pegged to the US dollar. Now, I talk about all of these great things about stable coins, um, I'd be remiss to say that there are some cons to the current structure of stable coins. Um, so in terms of the current theory of stable coins, that's all great, but we've seen some cons with regards to the actual implementation of stable coins. One of the biggest ones being most are currently pegged to currencies. In order for that to work, everyone needs to trade in fiat currency for stable coins, which means I obviously have to trade in $1 USD for one stable coin which makes for a very centralized process as one entity is needed to hold all of the funds. So how stable coins work is when you're trading in the one US dollar for one stable coin, the theory in theory, when I trade that one stable coin back, there should be a bank that has enough fiat currency to back it so that every single stable coin is accounted for in the system. Now, for that to happen, we're going to need a centralized process in which one entity essentially becomes the bank for all of that U.S. dollar that is traded in. Centralization creates the risk of government intervention and general corporate fraud. We all know anytime there is one entity with all that power, there comes fraud and there comes theft and there comes just sort of greed with regards to power. It's just human, human nature. <clears throat> centralized entities also tend to lead to decreased transparency. We have no idea how much of the actual amount of coins are backed by real currency. So even though they say they're one-to-one -one coin to fiat currency, it's essentially very hard if it's a centralized process for us to figure out if that's actually the case. Being backed by fiat currency, it is susceptible to government manipulation and all of the other things that provide the thesis for cryptocurrency. So as we talked about before, um, the need for um, cryptocurrencies is because of inflation 
and sort of bad monetary policy and bad government spending in terms of them trying to print off as much money as possible. So being backed by fiat currency, even though stable coins are backed one-to-one by a U.S. dollar, if the Federal Reserve continues to print as much money as they currently are during this COVID pandemic, that kind of makes our stable coin that's backed by the U.S. dollar susceptible to inflation. So the exact same problem occurs. Stable coins also help eliminate the problem of inflation as they're pegged to something. However, if what we're pegged to is inflationary, you have a problem, which is what we have just talked about um, in, in, that, in that little previous spiel. However, I want to suggest that there are some stable coins out there and some projects that are planning not to peg themselves to a currency, but more so a basket of assets. And one of the more popular ones that's leading the way is the reserve protocol, which is why I'm so bullish and so excited about the future of this project. The fundamentals and the white paper that you can read on their website is probably one of the most intriguing and most foolproof white papers I've seen in a long, long, long time. And I strongly recommend for you to read it. Um, That's kind of all I've got for stable coins as to what they are. Um, In terms of a a general summary, stable coins, again, are cryptocurrencies that attempt to peg their market value to some external reference in order to stabilize its value so that they aren't fluctuating cryptocurrencies like you normally hear in the news with Bitcoin and some of the smaller altcoins and DeFi projects. Um, They are more so stable and generally don't fluctuate much in terms of value. That's all I've got for today's episode. Thank you for listening. And if you've got any questions with regards to stable coins, reserve, cryptocurrency, or anything else that was said on this show, please feel free to reach out to me in my DMs on Twitter at RSR Ernie or our podcast Twitter at InReservePod. In addition, you can send me an email at InReservePodcast at gmail.com. Again, thanks for listening. And please stay tuned for next week's episode to find out how Reserve plans to separate themselves from these common stable coins and why it will overcome this big negative centralized aspect. If you go to the show notes, I would love to hear from you and and engage with the community as this is sort of a a one-way channel right now. And it's very hard, as you can probably tell, to talk to myself for 20 minutes straight without getting any type of feedback. So I would love to engage with you guys and to hear from you. Uh, Please see in the show notes. If you've got Discord, to join our RSR Discord channel. That's all I've got for this week. I will catch you in future episodes. Thank you.